You know, every Mother's Day, we focus in on that Florida Baptist Children's Home offering, and that is part of our REACH fund. And so when you give, and hopefully you've added some extra to your normal weekly REACH offering to help us fully, fully supply that uh, gift that we make every year to them. And, uh, you know, there's so many different ways, really, to become a mom. And our foster moms are so important, and our adopted moms And so uh, I just thank you, and maybe you would pray about that, Uh, not just giving the gift of money to help support this, but maybe God would like you to open up your home, and so I hope you'll pray about that. Uh, We have a tremendous need for foster parents uh, in all all different cities, in particular Gainesville, Uh, but we are thankful for the ministry that they have. And so let's take our Bibles this morning, and I want to hopefully conclude uh, this series on relationships, uh, being better together. And the last, uh, the last couple are on parenting, but you really can only just scratch the surface of parenting uh, just through a couple of messages. And so hopefully we'll be adding some deeper life courses and different opportunities uh, to dive into that because I know the challenges of parenting and I just want to be an encouragement to you today. So turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 4 this morning. And then we're going to jump from there and go back to the example that Moses sets for us. Yes, Moses. Not with his own children, but with the children of Israel and how he led them. Because here's what we've discovered. We know uh, that one of the great challenges of Moses was, was controlling himself. And as he could lead himself well, he could lead the people of Israel well. And I find that is... Uh, the reality with me as well. But look at this very, very familiar passage. You want to you bless your moms? Uh, just obey this first verse. Obey your what? Parents in the Lord. Because this is what God would have us to do. It's not because your parents are perfect. If you've got perfect parents, I want to meet them. I really do. Mine are about as close to perfect as I've ever seen. But we all know that we struggle in being perfect parents. But listen, the Bible says in the Old Testament, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So there's just a one or a three-verse sermon to all of us as uh, children. Now, look at verse 4. It starts off with a word called um, uh, in the Greek, pateros. And I have, I, as I have studied this, and when I look at the context, it is most often translated fathers. But you can find several other places in Scripture where it's translated parents. And in the plural, it could, it could truly, and I think it should be translated parents. I've all, often wondered, why did he just pick on dads there? Uh, or old fathers? Well, it really, it's, it's a matter of our translations. You can legitimately, and I think the context asks us to translate that parents. And so this applies to both moms and dads. And look what it says. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I find it interesting, the order of this verse. And I think it's intentional by the Holy Spirit and the Apostle Paul. Before, we can really bring up our children with discipline and instruction in the Lord, we got to be able to control ourselves <laughs> by not exasperating them, by not provoking our children to anger. 
in the, the context of this entire passage is a mutual submission in the body of Christ where wives are submitting to husbands. Husbands are submitting to the needs of wives. And, and we're submitting even to our children to their needs and to some of those things. That, but that mutual submission doesn't take away the principle of authority and headship. There's got to be a levels of authority in the home. And the children are not the authority in the home. And, uh, but listen, we, we have this submissive, mutually supportive type of attitude. That's what we have when we have the mind of Christ. But he says, you can't provoke your children. You need to treat your children in a particular way if you're going to be able to bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I take that to mean this, and really this series has helped me just spend some time uh, praying about this. I really can't discipline my children well unless I can discipline myself well. And as I begin to think about it, the greatest challenge in my parenting life is me. It's me. I can look at all the different things and some of the challenges that different children bring and their different personalities. But ultimately, every time I face a challenge, I have to make a decision. How am I going to react emotionally? How am, how am I going to discipline? I have to make good decisions to be a good dad you got to make a good, good decisions to be a good mom. And so I've got to have some self-discipline in order to really have some child discipline. I've got to instruct and raise myself in the admonition of the Lord to really be able to do it well for my children. I've discovered your children start to sound like you in the way you talk. So control your tongue, Right? They're going to sound like you. Your children are going to start to criticize people the way you criticize people. They're going to pick up on that. Your children are going to begin to value. Even if you don't even verbally communicate it, they're going to start to value the things that you value. So lead yourself well, and you'll be able to lead your children well. I mean, no sooner had I talked about the fact that my two youngest kids have their learner's permit, and I'm letting them drive around town. I gave you a fair warning. And uh, we, we're, we're driving. I, no sooner did I preach this sermon on controlling myself that last week I completely blew it in the passenger seat while one of my twins was driving. Completely blew it. And I had to send a, an apology note. I, was, I don't know if I was in a bad mood or what. But I just, when I got to the end of that ride, I realized I was criticizing and I was directing and I was giving orders with a loud voice. And then when I began to look at it, no violations of the law occurred in that drive. It was just violations of my little critiques. You went too slow through that curb. You went too fast around that corner. And, and I, I just went from, from leading to criticizing. Have you ever done that? And so I just confess that I absolutely blew it days after preaching on this very subject. Parenting's hard. And the biggest challenging to parenting to me is me. And what are the things that we need to do to help us parent well? The biggest challenge I have in pastoring is not the people. The biggest challenge in pastoring, being a good pastor, is me. 
Can I lead myself well? Well, what do we need to do? Last week we begin this study. Let me just go back to, to point one. What we have to do first and foremost is really understand what my purpose is as a parent. My purpose is not to have the world's best 16-year-old driver. Right? My purpose is not to produce the greatest, uh, the greatest scholars in the world. Although that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Or the greatest athletes in the world. Or someone who can make the most money in the world. It, it, we, all of those things, are, there's a place for that. What is my purpose as a parent? What is your purpose as a parent? We saw last week, we have the same purpose that Moses had. When Moses brought the children out of Israel, all of these hundreds of thousands of people, God said, Moses, I want you This is going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to turn slaves out of Egypt into a kingdom of priests, a royal nation. And then we saw in 1 Peter chapter 2, that's exactly how you and I are identified as followers of Christ. So my chief job is to lead well my children in such a way to point them to Christ, hoping and praying and disciplining and encouraging and modeling in such a way that they might become God's royal priesthood, God's royal family. I'm raising royalty, right? Just as much as Prince Henry or whoever those folks over over there are, right? That have the the that that are always on TV with the little princes and princesses and all that. We have those in our homes. They're royalty for God, and that's my job is to help lead them well. We looked at how Moses took this group of slaves that had been in Egypt for four hundred years, and here's what he did: he trained them and led them through the wilderness, and he was leading them to a destination. The destination was a promised land, a promised land lifestyle where they would be winning their victories under the lordship of God, where they would take their own land that had been given to them. But he was leading them through the wilderness, then he he brings them up to a point of decision, the Jordan River. And Moses says, all right, you've got to cross this river, and when you get over there, you've got to take the hand of Joshua. Joshua is going to be your new leader, and Joshua is going to help you win the victories in the promised land. That is my job, Moses' job. I am leading them through the wilderness of childhood and the wilderness of middle school. Can I just get an amen on that? Uh, And all just through the venoms and the vipers and and all of the the dangers of childhood and teenage years, I'm to lead them. but, But what I hope to do is bring them to a point of decision where they choose their Joshua, they choose Jesus. And then they take, they're just going to have to let go of Moses. They're going to have to let go of me. They're going to have to take their own faith. They're going to have to take the faith from me, then walk into their life and take the territory, the abundant life that God wants them to live. And so I just see a lot of parallels in the way Moses led the people of Israel and what your job is as a parent. Now let me go back to some of the, core, some of the key patterns of parenting that we see Moses pursue because we got to pursue God's pattern for parenting and I brought up one last week so let's look at God's pattern for parenting and the first thing that Moses did for them that God did for Adam and Eve uh, we see it all through scripture is he cared for them basic provisions there was manna there was uh, the water and all of the different provisions the quail that came in and fed the people of Israel Moses 
with the, his relationship with God, was able to provide basic care for the people. And, and you and I are required to do that. As parents, we provide a place for them to grow up, basic care. But the second thing that uh, Moses received from the Lord were core values. We call them the Ten Commandments. As soon as he came out of Egypt, Moses went up on the mountain. And when he went up on the mountain, he spent time with God, and it was there that uh, God gave Moses the values. And I like to see them not just as behavioral commands. This, this is based upon the, the character of God. And so he, he comes up with these Ten Commandments, and he inscribes them on stone. Now, there are more commandments to come, but these are the basic core values of life. And, and notice the order. Moses had to get them in stone before he could give them to the people of Israel. Moses needed to have them. He needed to have those core values deeply written in his own heart to be able to lead his children to accept and follow those values. So he spent time with God. He received the revelation of God. He, he would come out of the tent time with God. Remember, as he went in uh, uh, to the tent and he would come out and his face would be glowing. He comes out with the revelation of God and he gives these core values to the children of Israel. And then he encourages them to live those values out. Now, I'm not going to go through all the Ten Commandments. But here's what you need to know. As Christian parents, 2,000 years after Jesus came, 4,000 years after the Ten Commandments, or 3,500 about. And um, here's what you need to know. The Ten Commandments are very basic. Paul calls the Ten Commandments the ABCs. They're like teaching your kids ABCs. Do not steal. Do not lie, right? These are some bait. Do not commit murder. Now, a lot of people that don't even know Jesus know those ABCs. Your job as a Christian parent is to take them, the ABCs, and begin to put them together into an alphabet. You're bringing in another level. You're bringing in the, the commands of Christ. Let me just demonstrate this. You could tell your children, here's one of the ABCs, don't commit adultery. Now, you remember what Jesus thought about that? So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard... You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, it's a deeper thing than that. And so as we're leading our, our children to know Jesus, we go beyond the ABCs. And it's not just don't steal and don't hit your sister, right? you got to go a little bit deeper than that. Jesus takes us deeper. He says, you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his what? In his heart. And so you are giving out these core values, heart values. Don't just leave it at behavior modification. As a Christian parent, we can't just say, don't do that, don't do this. We want to take it a little bit deeper and help them see that the do's and don'ts of childhood are leading towards a transformation uh, of the heart. Um, I wanted to tell this story. This will make all the moms happy today. Uh, this story, but I, I kind of saw this connection. Uh, if, if, you can, if you will spend time in the Word and spend time with the Lord, you'll begin to make connections between the, the small do's and don'ts, the behaviors, 
and the core values that Christ teaches us of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves. you need to connect those to even things like don't hit your sister, or like clean up your, uh, wash your dishes, those kind of things. Well, there was, I heard this, many of you probably heard this during a commencement speech at the University of Texas. Navy Admiral William McGraven, the commander of the forces that led the Osama bin Laden raid, he made this point. He was just giving some of the things that he had learned over the year. And he said, I want to tell you how important it is to make your bed every day. How many of you have seen that video, the make your bed every day? Well, let me just read what he said. Now, this is a Navy SEAL. Now, I, now wouldn't it be cool if your children, you'd love for them to be able to take out any foe. I mean, they're Navy SEALs, self-disciplined, and they've got all those skills. And we want them to have that kind of spiritual spiritual ability to defend off the spiritual enemies and the spiritual wickedness around them. And we want them to be spiritual Navy SEALs. I think that would be really cool. But he says, here's a connection. Before you can be uh, someone who leads a team that kills Osama bin Laden, you need to learn to make your bed every morning. Listen to what he says. He says, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride it will encourage you to do another task and then another and then another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, I love this, listen. If by chance you've had a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made. A bed that you made. And a, and a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. I just kind of like that a Navy SEAL says, you know, it, it all starts with some of the basics, those core values. Make your bed. Amen, moms? Amen. We can have core values, but the second thing or the third thing we've got to do is we've got to communicate them. We've got to communicate them. And here's where I think we fall short sometimes. And I want you to know you're in good company if you struggle to communicate well the core values of Christianity or the things that you really want your children to know and value. Not all of you are teachers or communicators, and you struggle. You know what? You remember Moses? When Moses was called upon to be the communicator of core values to these hundreds and thousands of, of Egyptians, what did Moses say? Do you remember this story? Well, Exodus 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. Nothing's changed. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave you a mouth? You think I can't help you talk? I created your mouth. Who makes him deaf or mute? You don't think that I can help those children understand you in your lack of eloquence? I gave them their ears. Who gives them sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Now, what a great commandment to hold on to, a promise to hold on to. If you've ever dealt with teenagers, 
right? God, help me know what to say, how to say it. But Moses kept pushing, and he did something I would encourage you to never do. Do not abdicate the voice and the influence that God has given you in your child's life. If you don't have all the seminary degrees or all the knowledge or you're not very eloquent, you feel like you can't get through, I believe God has called you to that communication task. When Moses pushed back on God, look at his reaction, verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why was he mad? Why was God angry at Moses? Because I think Moses doubted that God would help him be a good parent. That Moses doubted. He was looking at his own strengths and abilities when being called to that divine task. And he didn't trust God. I'm telling you, don't abdicate it. Don't look at your youth pastor. Don't look at your children's pastor. Don't look at your senior pastor and say, would you please communicate the, all the truth to my children? No. God's given you a unique voice. Don't give it away. Don't give away educating and putting the values that you want in your, in your children's home. Don't give that away to a school. Don't give it away to a teacher. All of us come in like Aaron. We come in to help. We're just associates. You use us as tools, right? But you are the primary communicator. And you may not have all the strength and wisdom and things that you think you need, but you can communicate acceptance. You can communicate truth, basic truths of Scripture. You can communicate forgiveness and grace. You can communicate, listen, communicate your story. Tell your children how you came to know Christ, how what God is doing in your life. And sometimes you need to communicate like I did this past week. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You must speak and communicate those core values. Let me give you a fourth thing you need to do. And I hope you know I'm preaching to myself. And this is a tough one, especially as you get a little bit older and get a little more tired. <laughs> you got to make sure you don't forget the consequences of breaking the core values. Moses didn't. God didn't. When you set the boundaries and the guidelines and, the, and your, whoever you're influencing, your grandchildren or children, when you set the guide, guidelines and other boundaries and they cross them, by the way, they are going to cross them, right? They're going to get up as close and they're going to look at you and see if you're serious. Then they're going to cross it and really see if you're serious. To neglect the consequences of rebellion and the consequences of disobedience, to neglect that in the life of your child at whatever age is a very hateful thing, a very unloving thing to do for your children. Let me give you a scripture for that. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Whoever spares the rod does what? Spoils the child. Well, it doesn't really say that. I tricked you. I thought I had this on my overhead, but I guess I don't. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Hates his son. That's what it says. But he who loves his child is diligent to discipline him. Whoever spares the rod. Now, let me just say what the rod is. The rod is age-appropriate discipline. That's what it is. 
And it's different for different ages. That's a whole other sermon or discussion. But it must be age appropriate. It must be time sensitive so that they know that that is a consequence, which, what, that it's a consequence. And it, it's got to be done in such a way that it doesn't communicate your anger and your harshness. It communicates that this was the responsible, this was the, their responsibility. This was the consequence of their choices. And too often, discipline is my way of just controlling and stopping what's irritating me. Rather than communicating through consequences the core values that God has put in our lives. Core values, communicate them. Out of the core values, you build up these guidelines and you you determine your rules based upon your core values, right? And then you have to pull through with those consequences. Say, well, sometimes I have grace. I have grace on my children. How many of you thank the Lord for grace? Wow. Grace is not overlooking something. Grace is not seeing a sin or a rebellion and basically saying, well, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. Grace is taking the punishment that is due them and absorbing it yourself, just like Christ did. The grace that Jesus offers us is not that he overlooked our sin. It's that he turned what we deserve, the discipline we deserved, and he took it upon ourselves And you know what he was doing when he did that? He was communicating one of the ultimate core values. For God so what? Loved the world. A core value of love. And he turns and he takes the punishment upon himself. And when you choose not to level a particular consequence on your child, you need to communicate that in such a way that they understand you're absorbing the consequence. The consequence isn't disappearing. You need to show that you yourself have taken it so that they understand choices have consequences. God set that up very clearly with the people of Israel. And we must follow through. And that leads me to my final point. Follow through is often hard. Um, I am consistently inconsistent. Can y'all identify with that sometimes? Consistently inconsistent in my mood, in my attitude. Now, I might could, we, it could all be relational. I mean, relative. I may not be nearly as bad as some others. may be much worse than others. You know, I'm not talking about, but when I look at my own life, I just would, I just pray, God, help me be more consistent. Because I can come in when I'm tired. You come home when you're tired, and you get confronted with something when you're weak, and, and you, just, you just overlook the guideline, and you just, I'll just go ahead. I don't care anymore. And you give up one of those consequences, and it begins to, to create long-term problems. You can't do that. And so consistency is so important. Also, the consistency of your behavior. And this is one of the key things. If you're going to be a Christian parent and you want them to have the core biblical values of how to love your neighbor, 
you're going to have to live those values. Your examples got to be consistent with your core values that you're communicating. And that is, that is a real challenge. That's why parenting's hard for me. Is I preach these values, teach these values from this pulpit, but also preach them and teach them at home and try to live them out. But, but I am faced with the challenge of, of being consistent at home and to be the same person there that I am at work. The same person I am on Friday that I am on Monday. Now listen, we all have ups and downs in moods, ups and downs in good days and bad days, and grace has to be infused into all this. And sometimes I'll just apologize before something even happens and just say, you, you know what, I've had a rough day. I'm under a lot of stress. Uh, just forgive me if I'm not as, you know, and sometimes we have, we have to continue to talk. But we've got to strive to make our testimony and our lifestyle consistent before our children. Just imagine, if you make them clean their plate and eat their vegetables, and they see you not even take vegetables or go to the trash can and scrape them off while they're sitting at the table and you're not going to let them leave until they finish, what are they going to do? That is an inconsistency that I I promise you is going to create some trouble. If you tell them to eat your vegetables... You better eat your vegetables too. You can't get drunk and expect your children not to drink. You can't you can't be angry and abusive and expect your children to not wince and jump whenever you come by. So we are we've got to be consistent. Let me just show you one story before we finish. Look at Numbers chapter 20. I want to show you something. Moses, he did such a good job in so many ways. He did such a good job. But towards the end of his ministry, towards the end of those 40-year journeys, there were a couple of things that happened. One of the things that happened is when the people of Israel, the children, were complaining... Um, he got angry. He got angry. Look at Numbers chapter 20, verse 2, or verse 5. They had, they had come to a point where they were thirsty, things were running low, and they begin to complain, and they had the same old story. Why did you take us out of Egypt? We had it, I mean, we were slaves there, but we had plenty of water, plenty of stuff, and you've got us out here. You would think after decades they would have learned. Can you imagine how insane this would have driven you if you were Moses? I mean, he was right to be angry at his children, the children of Israel. They weren't learning their lesson over and over and over again. By this time, there are children and grandchildren, and the children and grandchildren of the ones that came out of Egypt, they had learned to complain just like their parents. So there were generations of people complaining. And here's what what they said, verse 5. And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? Where is he taking them? He's trying to take them to their their promised land. And they're like, we don't want to go. We don't like it. It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. 
Then Moses and Aaron did what they often did. They went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. Have you ever been there, parents? Have you ever been there? They fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take the staff, take the power and the authority that I've given you, and take this ability. And you and I have that. We have the power of prayer. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the privilege of, of walking into the very presence of God with our problems and our children and our, and our, our, our uh, challenges. And, and they fell on their faces before God. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother. Tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. You speak to that rock. I'm amping this up, Moses. You normally, you struck the rock with the staff. I'm going to show them that they can trust me, that it's the power of God. And see, he's trying to help Moses help them mature during this moment. But Moses, he just gets angry. <laughs> Listen to what he says. Uh, God says, Take the, tell the rock and it will give you water. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he had commanded and he decides to give a speech. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe who? Me. You wouldn't trust me with the, the word that I gave you. You wouldn't trust me with the parenting technique I gave you. You struck in anger. You were angry, and you sinned. And because you did that, you now have lost your privilege of leadership into the promised land. Moses lost the, the effectiveness to lead others because he failed to lead himself so the greatest challenge in parenting for me is me so we come to the Lord and we just we put these things before him God help me be consistent help me know and learn my core values help me to set wise consequences and then to bring those to bear help me to be consistent in my lifestyle and in my anger, and how I handle it. God can help you do that. Not long after this, though, I want to give you one final illustration. Not long after this, the people of Israel, God's children, under Moses and Aaron's care, they continued to sin. And this is our ultimate job. I want to give you this picture. They continued to sin, and God sent into the camp venomous snakes. You heard that story? It's in chapter 21, verse 4 through 9. The people, in verse 5, it says, The people of God spoke against Moses and against, against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food or water. We loathe the worthless food. 
Then the Lord sent fiery serpents from among the people. They bit the people so that, the, that, that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. Pray to the Lord. And you know the story. Moses goes and he prays. And God says to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. Set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. And he set it on a pole. And he, and he, and he went and he said, People, just look to the serpent. If you will look to the serpent, you will be saved. That's your greatest job as a parent. Here's what you need to know about children. They come out. They're precious. But they're broken by sin, aren't they? They're challenged. They're snake bit. They have a terminal case of sin. But God provided a Savior on a cross, didn't he? And our job is to passionately pursue the salvation of God's little camp that he puts in our house. And maybe it's your children, maybe it's your grandchildren, foster kids, whoever comes under your influence, what do we do? We pray for them, then we hold up Jesus. We lift up Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus, this is a mic. But we lift up Jesus and we point to Jesus and we keep pointing to Jesus. And we keep pointing to Jesus. There's your salvation. Look. Believe. Trust him. He alone can deliver you. He alone can give you life. That's your greatest privilege and responsibility. Let's pray together. Father, the challenges are are great and many, but we thank you that you've given us our commands, our core values. You've given us clear direction in your word. Help us to learn those. Help us spend time with you, Father. Help us communicate this truth. Help us to live it out. God, when we fail, help us to confess it to you and to those who we offend. Help us to be firm in our discipline, to know, God, we've got to take action often. But help us do so in gentle, loving, age-appropriate ways. But most of all, God, like these parents this morning, dedicated themselves to, may we point our children always to Jesus, their Savior. With every head bowed and every eye just close and just your heart focusing this sermon convicts me every time I speak on parenting but God has like he did Moses he's equipped you and maybe you just need to to just accept that and thank him for it right now and just say God I'm going to trust that you'll use my voice that you'll use my unique qualities under your control to influence the generations to come that you put underneath just 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 receive that from him trust him with that today 
And if there are any here that have never really looked to Jesus for salvation, maybe we have some children, some young people, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do that today. You need only look and pray and ask Jesus right now. Just ask him to forgive you of your sin, to save you, to give you life, and he will. Tell him you'll follow him. You can receive Christ today, anyone in this room. We're going to sing in just a moment, have a time of invitation where you can come and pray. We've got folks that would love to pray for you up here. Or you can just kneel and pray for your family, your mom, whatever God puts on your heart. It's just a time of prayer, a time of response. If you'd like to join our fellowship, join our church, if you'd like to uh, be baptized, whatever God puts on your heart as we sing, you come. Father, I just ask as we stand in a moment that we'll just stand as uh, your children thanking you for our parents, helping us to be good parents, helping us to be the kind of children you want us to be. And we ask that uh, we'll lean on your strength and trust your word. We ask in Christ's name.